Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Just ahead, there's another edition of the Florida Roundtable, a service of Florida's talk and entertainment networks. I'm Reagan Smith, Public Affairs Director of the Florida News Network. And I'm Executive Producer Michael Yaffe. Michael, a pleasure again this week. It has been 100 years since the end of the war to end all wars. You know it now as World War I. Before World War II, it was just the Great War. What happened? Why should we care? Why is it even important to us today that it's been a hundred years? We'll be joined later in the hour by one of the country's leading military historians, Patrick O'Donnell, and we'll find out why. Stay put. The Florida Roundtable begins following these messages. Where do you want to go on a vacation or honeymoon? The Caribbean, Europe, Hawaii, Mexico? How about Disney or a cruise? At Superior Cruise and Travel, we've got you covered. We'll assign you your own travel concierge. They'll help you design a custom vacation plan that you can't find online. And the service is completely free. You can't compare the value of this to any other online travel company. We can help you plan a custom vacation anywhere in the world. We even offer payment plans with no credit card required. Now you pay off your vacation on your time schedule. Call now and mention the promo code RADIO and save up to $500. Book your custom trip. Call Superior Cruise and Travel now and talk to one of the highest rated travel agencies in the country with a 5-star A-plus online rating. 800-659-5087. 800-659-5087. That's 800-659-5087. For Florida families facing the challenge of a loved one with an opioid use disorder, it's important to know that shallow breathing, snoring, or gurgling sounds and unresponsiveness can all be signs of an overdose. In the event of an emergency, an at-home rescue treatment like naloxone can help save a life. Naloxone is available without a prescription and doesn't need to be administered by a health professional. Find out more at isavefl.com. Brought to you by the Florida Department of Children and Families. Floridians love boating with family and friends, exploring our state's amazing waterways. But even experienced boaters can lose sight of the risks of passengers standing or sitting in improper locations. Bow riding by passengers of any age is extremely dangerous. Be sure that passengers only sit or stand in designated areas while underway. Their safety is your responsibility. Safe boating is no accident. 
To learn more, visit the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission at myfwc.com. This is a special edition of the Florida Roundtable, a service of Florida's talk and entertainment networks. I'm Regan Smith, Public Affairs Director of the Florida News Network. And I'm Executive Producer Michael Yaffe. Well, Michael, as we mentioned just a, a couple of minutes ago, it's been 100 years since the end of World War One. It ended in the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of the year 1918. Wow, a hundred years. And we were latecomers to World yeah. War I, you know? Uh, Tried to stay out of it for a lot of years. We did. One of the things, you know, Woodrow Wilson uh, won his second term in office in 1916. His campaign, one of his main campaign slogans was, he kept us out of war. Yeah, I recently visited the Woodrow Wilson Presidential ah. Library in Virginia yeah. and saw a lot of the campaign stickers and stuff. And a lot of them said, America first. Yes. Which you hear a lot now. But back then, it was talking about keeping America first by staying out of the war. Exactly. World War I started in 1914 in a little place, uh, Sarajevo. Uh, of course, it's become famous uh, as the 20th century went along. But the Archduke, Franz Ferdinand, and his wife were assassinated by the Black Hand. Yes, there were Muslim versus Christians, and that is a part of how World War I got started. And uh, so we, Europe had been at this thing for a couple of years already in 1916, and uh, both of the candidates for president in 1916, the Democrat Woodrow Wilson and the Republican Charles Evans Hughes, said, we have no business getting into this war. And uh, there were problems at home and whatnot. You know, there were, uh, was a big segment of our population of German heritage. And Germany was the enemy. You know, you, we had England, France, and Russia. Soviet Union wasn't there yet. On one side, and you had Germany and the Austria-Hungarian uh, Empire and the Ottoman Empire on the other side. And uh, so there was a lot of split opinion in the United States as to whether or not we should get into this thing at all. And uh, we're going to talk about that. But <clears throat> I wanted to mention that in 1918, here we are on the war, and uh, we got a couple of million guys that are ready to get in there, and that, that's a big separate story. But the Spanish flu breaks out uh, up in Massachusetts and uh, spreads along the East Coast. And the Spanish flu, nobody really understood the influenza business in those days, actually killed more people in the United States than we lost soldiers in the war. Yeah. And I think that that is Devastating. a rather incredible uh, statistic that, you know, so many, many people died. Uh, you see famous pictures of policemen in Boston directing traffic on the street in medical masks with their nose and mouth covered because they were afraid that what was spreading this influenza was floating around in the air. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they really didn't know, and they called it the Spanish flu, but it went well beyond oh, Spain. I, yes, it certainly did. And uh, so it, it, it was, 1918 was an absolutely incredible year, 
And we don't want to give away too many things here, but uh, there are a lot of firsts that happened in 1918, even in this country. And uh, we're going to discuss these things. Patrick O'Donnell has been a good friend of this program. And uh, through the years, the last 20 years or so, he has basically become one of the country's leading military historians. His most recent book is called The Unknowns. It's the story of World War I and the creation of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers as it stands today at Arlington National Cemetery in Arlington, Virginia. And we're going to learn all about that. We trust that you will find the hour ahead to be interesting and that uh, you will enjoy our conversation. So we'll uh, invite you to stay put uh, because Patrick O'Donnell has an awful lot. I don't know how we're going to get it all into one hour. I can tell you that. <laughs> we're going to give it our best shot. We remind you that this is the Florida Roundtable, a service of Florida's talk and entertainment networks. I'm Reagan Smith. And I'm Michael Yaffe. If you'll stay put, our conversation continues following these messages. Nothing's better than taking to Florida's waterways with family and friends. But some boat operators don't realize that bow riding is extremely dangerous. It can lead to tragic accidents if someone falls overboard because of speed or direction changes. Be sure your passengers sit only in manufacturer-designated areas while underway. Their safety is your responsibility. Safe boating is no accident. To learn more, visit the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission at myfwc.com. It was a great night partying and laughing with friends. That is, until you decided to drive impaired. Now there's thousands in fines, no license, and possibly jail time. And that's if everyone is lucky enough to survive. No fun at all. Celebrate responsibly. Use a ride service. Call a friend or have a designated driver. Always drive sober so that everyone can arrive alive. Brought to you by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. In a world of tiny tomatoes and backyard pests, one man and his better half dig deep to save backyard gardens. Tony, stand by to upload expert videos. Already loaded, Tom. Wow, you're good. You're not so bad yourself. Tom and Joni McCubbin star in hisandhersgardening.com. Critics rave. Tom and Joni, they really grow on you. Two green thumbs up. Don't miss hisandhersgardening.com. Wow, your flowers are gorgeous. What's your secret? It's no secret. It's Bear Advanced. You mean these blue bottles? Uh-huh. I protect my beauties with all-in-one rose and flower care. It's insect and disease control plus fertilizer. Really? What's this 12-month tree and shrub protect and feed? Oh, I use it on my trees. It kills bugs for up to a year, plus it feeds. It's that easy. Hey, where are you going? To get my own. I want a great yard, too. Bear Advanced. Get more from the Blue Bottle. Always read and follow label instructions. We are back. You're listening to the Florida Roundtable, a service of Florida's talk and entertainment networks. I'm Reagan Smith. And I'm Michael Yaffe. And Michael, as promised at this point in the program, we are joined by a man who has become a very good friend of the Florida Roundtable over the years, a gentleman that I consider to be one of the United States' leading military historians this day, Patrick O'Donnell is with us, and Patrick, welcome to the Florida Roundtable. It's nice to have you back. Oh, it's great to be back, Frank, and thank you. It's been 100 years since the end of World War I, and of course, your most recent work is called The Unknowns, which uh, provides the history of World War I and the story of the creation of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers. 
And a uh, hundred years, it, that you know, I, it, it ages me because two of my grandfathers fought in World War One, and I remember them talking about it as a little kid, you know, and it, it doesn't seem that it's been that long since they passed. I, I can remember doing concerts here in Florida uh, where they would ask the World War I veterans to stand up. But Patrick, wh- World War I, f- in the first place, uh, why should a young person today care that it's been 100 years since we fought this war? <laughs> it's a war that so much has flowed from. I mean, this, is, this was a seminal event of the 20th century. It's it's the most important, one of the most important events of the 20th century. The um, it reshaped the modern Middle East. It it changed the world from the old world to the new world. It was the birth of the modern civil rights movement, the birth, the emancipation of women, the ability for them to vote. Um, it was the change of the. Uh, it became the American century eventually. It was the, put us on the path to that. There are so many things that comes from this, from World War One, and I don't think most people realize it. You know, you brought up a lot of interesting points there, like the emancipation of women. Why? Why did World War One lead to that? Because you know, twenty percent of the women that had to work in uh, war production factories were were women, and you know the after the war, it changed the entire, you know, the way we're thinking about women. So that's it, that was one of the major factors for the, the start of that thinking. Well, I, we were talking earlier before you joined us, Patrick, that World War I uh, started actually in 1914 uh, in a little place called Sarajevo, the, the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife. And uh, I wanted to talk for a minute because uh, this also was a change. But, you know, people look back at George Washington uh, and, and, and his farewell address when he talked about uh, avoiding entangling alliances and, and, you know, no permanent alliances. And that's pretty much how World War I got started. This side said, well, you did that and we did that and we're uh, declaring war on you. And per- all, all of a sudden, all of Europe had chosen up sides and we were at war. That, that's true. I mean, the um, it's amazing how a single, small, tiny event can literally change and shape history. And the Archduke Ferdinand sets off this, this this series of alliances that then, you know, begins, spark that begins this massive war. It's It's incredible how a single, tiny event can change and shape history, and that's that's exactly one of them. And of course, well, my it, book is about my book. Look, my book is a World War One combat history of of the war, and it 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 fights. It, it talks about the eight body bearers in that war that brought back the tomb of the unknown soldier. And it's we have a little bit of history at the beginning of the war, but it's really about individuals in those eight individuals, and also the man, the ninth man that's that um, that that chose the unknown soldier. And it's, you know, it's, it's about the last, the last year of the war, 1918, where America is involved. And, you know, I, I can't believe, I've seen stuff where people actually say that America didn't make a difference. And the reality is 
that war would have never been won by the Allies if it hadn't been for the United States. And been for the United States' money, resources, and most importantly, its men. And, you know, millions of men eventually made it over to, to Europe. And it was that decisive factor that the Germans were staring at when they, were, they realized that there was no way that they could win that war. Yeah, I think it's important that people understand that. And we mentioned this uh, just before you joined us. Uh, basically, we had Britain, France, and Russia against Germany and Austria-Hungary and the Ottoman Empire. And the fact is that by the time the United States was getting into the war, Germany had actually knocked Russia out of the war. The, the Russians surrendered, and it freed hundreds of thousands of German troops to come back into Europe and fight on the Western Front. And had we not been there, uh, it might have been an entirely different story, and, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. No, they, they took 50 divisions off the Eastern Front and then directed them to the Western Front. And those, those units were just in a massive amount of manpower that once they were directed, they, they basically blew holes right through the Western Front's lines for the alliance of the Entente. And, you know, it just, especially this is a case with in, in June where it was the Americans, the American divisions that were put in, as the French line was just blown wide open, the Americans were rushed forward and, and placed there and, and literally helped save Paris. And it was it was the uh, the American morale uh, that, you know, these Frenchmen saw that, like, wow, these guys continue to fight even though we're melting away. It gave them hope. And the Germans became actually petrified of us because, you know, they were like, wow, these, these Americans don't give up. Fight to the death in most cases. And you talk about the morale of the American soldier in your book. As is a lot about that. It's about individuals and what they did over there. What was it that encouraged that morale in the individual American soldier? Well, I mean, there's a number of factors. I think the United States hadn't been over there that long. There's only, it had only been over there a few months, uh, and for the most part. I mean, the war begins in May 1917 for the United States, or April, I'm sorry, 1917, we get over there, they have to train, they haven't really seen the harsh combat of years of war that the Europeans had been have been going through, so they were, they were fresh relatively. And then there's also um, just the American fighting spirit, the American way of war that I think is important. Um, and, and that, you know, there's an American exceptionalism involved and wrapped around all of that that I think is is quite compelling and you know I think what's really amazing is most of our boys were given the worst tactics and sometimes just French equipment that wasn't that great in many cases but they innovative they innovated and they changed and they they became uh, great soldiers, and they literally, at the end of the war, defeated the greatest army in the world at the time, the German army. I think, uh, Patrick, I'm gonna, I, I want to insert here something. Uh, over the years, one of my hobbies is 
collecting antique audio. And, of course, uh, 1918, uh, recording is pretty much in its infancy, not much in the way of films and things of that nature. But one of the things that occurs early on, and that is the, the French and the British want to take the American troops as they come in and break up the units and put them in and mix them in with the British and the French. And uh, General John J. Pershing said, absolutely not. Americans will fight in their own units together, and that's how it's going to be. And, of course, John J. Pershing was the commander of the, uh, 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 of the Allied expedition. And I have in the collection here, and this takes just about a half a minute, uh, an actual recording of General Pershing that was made in Paris in 19, early in 1918. And, uh, well, this is, uh, I hate to say it's a, a forerunner of, of, of the kind of things we do today, but it is a piece of audio encouraging uh, and, and explaining to the people at home what is going on. So you're going to hear the actual voice of General John J. Pershing from Paris in 1918. 3,000 miles from home, an American army is fighting for you. Everything you hold worthwhile is at stake. Only the hardest blows can win against the enemy we are fighting. Invoking the spirit of our forefathers, the army asks your unflinching support to the end that the high ideals for which America stands may endure upon the earth. A little bit of uh, positive selling there of the war effort by the commanding general himself. Uh, and who knew that that was going on in 1918? Right. I mean, this is uh, the, the one order that Wilson gave Pershing was do not let the army be broken up by the Allies. It was really some astute advice because the Allies were very desperately short of men and reinforcements. And what they wanted to do was basically cannibalize the units that we brought over there and let and fill them into their lines as cannon fodder so that they can continue their assaults. If, but the a unified army, an independent American army, would allow us to show the world its results. And it was political power, and that was the key. Because at the end of the war, Wilson wanted to have that political power and clout to be able to help dictate, a, you know, a peace that he envisioned. Had we just basically, you know, frittered away those men and put them into the units, uh, allied units, that may not have ever happened. And we would not have had the political clout that we, would, we eventually had at the end of the war. Well, I find it interesting, too, Patrick, that I, I had mentioned, you know, there was a large uh, influx of German immigrants uh, before we got into the war. And uh, the war itself was by no means uh, a popular thing. Uh, there was no sneak Japanese attack at Pearl Harbor to get us into World War One, And Wilson won his second term with the campaign slogan, He Kept Us Out of War. And so I, I found it uh, intriguing that General Pershing was recording these positive things, pointing out to the Americans at home, 
hey, this is important to our way of life, and this is something that we have to do. Well, it's uh, 10 million dead by the time we got done, and of course, we're going to talk about that in the creation of the Tomb of the Unknowns. I'm Reagan Smith. And I'm Michael Yaffe. The Florida Roundtable continues in a moment. It's happening to you every night. One snores, and the other can't sleep. It seems like there's no end to it. But now there's a quick and easy-to-use solution, a natural solution. Snore Stop. Try it risk-free today. Snore Stop was created and tested by a team of physicians and has been helping couples sleep for over 20 years. It is the number one selling anti-snoring medicine in the U.S. Snore Stop sprays or tablets are now available nationwide. All you have to do is call. It's time to try Snore Stop and make every night a better night for both of you. Don't wait. Try Snorstop, the number one selling anti-snoring medicine in the U.S. spray or tablets. Call right now for free shipping and your 100% risk-free trial offer. 800-960-4918. 800-960-4918. That's 800-960-4918. Florida's boating environment is always changing. New sunsets, new experiences that you won't find anywhere else on Earth. But one thing that never changes, boating while impaired by drugs or alcohol. It's illegal in the state of Florida. Boating under the influence will land you in jail, or worse, kill someone you love. It's just simply not a risk worth taking. Learn more about Florida's boating laws at myfwc.com. Brought to you by the FWC Division of Law Enforcement. Your yard's days of being picked on are over, thanks to the science of Bear Advanced Brush Killer Plus. Its penetrating formula is specifically designed to kill hard-to-control brush, like kudzu, poison ivy, poison oak, and wild berries, roots and all. And the concentrate product even kills stumps, so your yard never has to worry about being bullied. Bear Advanced. Get more from the Blue Bottle. BearAdvanced.com. Always read and follow label directions. Terrorist acts and shootings are often described as great tragedies. They are not. We live in a world so concerned with being politically correct that they're afraid to call evil what it is, evil. Man's sin nature is as old as the Garden of Eden. Many love to blame culture, poverty, or lack of education and opportunity as the problem. They may have a good or bad impact, but the big problem is sin. Acknowledging our sin nature will show us our need for a savior who changes us from within. That Savior's name is Jesus. He came to die for the sins of all who will acknowledge their sin. Faith in Him strikes a mighty blow at evil. So quit calling man's evil acts a tragedy. They are evil and God hates it. Yet thankfully, He loves us in spite of our evil and sin. Jesus not only forgives us, but gives us the want to to overcome evil with good. This is Brian Wright, speaking right from my heart. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, 
communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. From Pensacola to Key West and all points in between, you're listening to the Florida Roundtable, a service of Florida's talk and entertainment networks. I'm Reagan Smith. And I'm Michael Yaffe. And our very special guest this day is military historian Patrick K. O'Donnell. And uh, Patrick uh, has been doing this program with us low these many years. Patrick, I <laughs> almost hesitate to think how long you and I have been friends and, and been talking about the the uh, fighting man of America, and uh, over the years, why, yes, I do feel you have become one of our leading military historians, so we're we're delighted to have you with us. This special edition focusing on this 100th anniversary of the end of World War I, uh, I don't think I mentioned it earlier, ab- about 10 million soldiers die in World War I, and uh, we, we left uh, at the end of that last segment on the note of how uh, Wilson and General Pershing kept Americans together. But this was, uh, we're dealing in trench warfare. The first time around that soldiers are, the Germans are using poison gas. Uh, and people really have forgotten what a horrible thing this was. I mean, this is... This this is a different type of war than most Americans are. I mean, this, most Americans have seen World War II. I mean, they've this this is an incredibly unique um, way of war fighting. I mean, the the way I like to describe it is, I mean, like for instance, the Muse Argon lasted forty seven days. It was forty seven days of pure hell, and in many cases, it was forty seven days of going against fixed fortifications if you've seen like saving private ryan that's kind of like the opening scene where they get off the landing craft and they have to go against the bunkers and machine gun positions and there's artillery falling around or in mortars that's that's that was their war um without any body armor or anything else just you know little tin helmets and wool uniforms and bolt action rifles and these men had to go against these fixed positions and it's just incredible, but you throw in the persistent poison gas as as another al- aspect of all of that, and this stuff was everywhere, and it was, you know, just a whiff of it in your lungs, and you could die, um, or if you got in your uniform, and underneath it, it caused massive rashes. It was just incredibly deadly. And you talk about how it was a different kind of war in so many ways but isn't it true as well that some of the generals in Europe at the beginning of the war didn't really understand that they were still trying to do you know regular cavalry units and invasions that way that just weren't working right totally I mean even Carson himself who we look at you know to some degree very positively he looked at the machine gun as a auxiliary weapon the bold action rifle being the primary. And it's like, no, this is modern warfare. The, the machine gun is incredibly important. Not only that, the real innovation here was the use of combined arms. In other words, combining the machine gun, combining the tank, combining the aircraft and artillery, all to be used as one. And uh, that's, 
something that the army initially goes into combat almost in a civil war style um, formations and tactics, and then it learns the importance of these combined arms, and it eventually fights as a modern army. Especially the, the first time it really fights that way is in San Mihal. By the Mies Argon, it really, it really is, um, you know, learning in, in how to fight in a modern way and very effective and efficient. And one of those generals that you can thank for is almost a kind of a patent-like figure of his day. His name is Charles P. Summerall, who I get into in the unknowns. Uh, the men did not like him for the most part when they when they encountered him, especially the Marine Corps. But he um, he was definitely ahead of his time in terms of tactics and understood what needed what needed to be t- done to, to win. Pat, one of the interesting things that I found out is that on the you know the the war comes to an end at eleven o'clock in the morning. The armistice takes effect at eleven o'clock in the morning on November eleventh, eleventh month, eleventh day, eleventh hour. But in the day preceding the ceasefire, nearly eleven thousand more soldiers are killed in that one day, and. The reasons I hear, and I wonder what your research shows you, is that uh, you could kill 11,000 guys because the, knowing that a ceasefire is coming in a matter of hours, the two sides didn't trust each other. Well, it was that, and then there was, there was um, there's absolutely no protocol in place to, to tell men to just sort of be careful or to stand down. And um, the communication took place at around five, five in the morning, six in the morning, that the war had been over and there was going to be an armistice. And then the rest of the hours were just, uh, it wouldn't take place until 11. But Pershing didn't communicate that to his men. It was only, the only communication was that the guns were going to cease at 11. So there was a real tragedy there. We lost over 400 Americans in that day alone. And um, my book, I wrote an article called The Last Day of the War and Bridge into Hell for Breitbart. And it's it's a real tragedy because the Marines in, in the book that I wrote, um, The Unknowns, they have to cross the Meuse River. They cross on November 10th that night. And it's, you know, the, it's a real tragedy. They cross foot bridges and many of them die and they make it some, some elements make it to the other side and they're surrounded and counterattacked and nearly overrun. And it's, it's one of those forgotten aspects of World War One. Talk a little and bit in of many cases. It didn't necessarily have to happen. I was just going to say, you, you mentioned your book, talk a little bit about what inspired you to write this book about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? Well, every every book that I've ever written has found me. This is not an exception. I, um, I, I was given the honor of being a, a, a tour guide for the Marine Corps. I was in Battle Fallujah with the Marines, and they asked me to give a tour of Normandy, the beaches, for World War II. And I did that. And the next phase of the tour was Bella Wood, where the Marine Corps had won their their hallowed um, victory against the Germans, stopping them right before Paris. And we were walking around Bella Wood 
which is still very scarred for more. And I found out that Ernest A. Jansen was the first Medal of Honor recipient for the Marine Corps. And it was there um, that Jansen was, I also found that Jansen was the, a body bearer for Pershing for the unknown soldier. And that's where I wanted to know more. I, I just, it's my curiosity. I, I wanted to know who the other men were. And I found out that they were chosen specifically to tell the story and um, the story of, of, of this war. It's an extraordinary one. And I knew was when I had the book had found me. And from there, I just, um, I wrote the unknowns. And it's, each one of the stories in that book could be a movie because they're unique and different. It's not just the guys on the ground. It's the news. It's the Marine Corps. It's the, you know, it's the infantry from the, the, the coast artillery, the big guns. It's everybody. It's, it, but they represent all who fought in World War One for the AEF, and they, they take the stories together. It's the story of World War One through their eyes, which is the story of the unknowns in my book. Now, the the business of using an unknown, and we've seen it here in in recent days. Um, am I am I understanding properly that the one at the Arc de Triomphe and and the one in England that these pretty much came first. Uh, Absolutely did. Yeah, and, and then we kind of picked up on that idea that we should have one here, too. Yeah, it was a, it was a fight. <laughs> we didn't want to have it. And it was the French and English that first came up with the idea. And um, from there... Um, A woman editor decided to um, to put it out there that we needed an unknown soldier, and she created a movement, and the, the press picked it up, and the, even even the War Department line finally saw public opinion insisted, and they, they got behind it. But prior to that, it didn't happen, and um, the uh, the movement inspired Hamilton Fish, who was a congressman from New York City. And Fish was a white officer in a black unit, and the, the black unit, the Harlem Hellfires, is incredibly in it. I tell you what, Patrick, hang on to that thought for a minute here because uh, the clock has caught up with us. We need to take a pause along our network line here, and we've got to remind folks that this is the Florida Roundtable, a service of Florida's talk and entertainment networks. I'm Reagan Smith. And I'm Michael Yaffe. A very special guest this day is Patrick K. O'Donnell, author of The Unknowns, the story of the unknown soldiers and of World War I, available at all the fine bookstores around uh, Florida and places like Amazon.com. If you'll stay put, our conversation continues in a moment. Have you found yourself? Here are some ways people try to. A lot of successful people are goal setters, but too often when we reach those goals, we still feel empty inside goal-setting in the answer. Education, we know, can enrich our understanding of life, but speaking with a couple of men that graduated high in their class at MIT, they told me they still felt empty. Education, in the answer, work. When you pour yourself into your work, you understand more about yourself, but even when you're successful at work, you can still feel empty inside. No work, in the answer. Relationship with friends, family members, and coworkers. Okay, you're getting close. 
While all these things are important, the key to finding yourself is having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Ultimate meaning is found in healthy relationships beginning with Jesus and then with our fellow man. This is Bryant Wright speaking right from my heart. Visit rightfromtheheart.org and click Devotions to read the daily devotion and send to a friend. Are we there yet? There's nothing better than a fun family road trip. Come on, are we there yet? Don't let a bad tire get between you and your destination. Before hitting the road this holiday season, make sure your tires are properly inflated, damage-free, and have adequate tread depth, including the spare tire. Inspect your tires regularly and keep your family happily rolling down the highway on safe tires. Brought to you by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. An opioid overdose does not need to end in tragedy. At-home rescue treatments like naloxone products can help you save the life of a friend or a loved one. Naloxone is available without a prescription and doesn't need to be administered by a health professional. Learn to recognize the signs of an overdose, like unresponsiveness, snoring sounds, and shallow breathing, and be prepared for an emergency by keeping a naloxone product on hand. Find out more at isavefl.com. Brought to you by the Florida Department of Children and Families. We are back. You're listening to the Florida Roundtable, the service of Florida's Talk and Entertainment Networks. I'm Reagan Smith. And I'm Michael Yaffe. Our very special guest this day is Patrick K. O'Donnell. He is the author of The Unknowns. It is a story of World War I and the creation of America's unknown memorial that now stands at Arlington National Cemetery. Patrick, it is always a pleasure to have you with us. You were beginning to tell the story there as we went into that last break of the uh, unknown movement, uh, the memorial coming to the United States. And uh, you were talking about uh, Congressman Hamilton Fish from uh, New York, and I wanted you to pick up that thread for us. Sure. I mean, Hamilton Fish is the mainspring behind the the bill that eventually gets passed in Congress that becomes the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And Fish is really quite an extraordinary figure in and of himself. He lives to be over 100 years old, and he's from a main, um, a very powerful family in New York City. But during World War One, he was he led um, he was a white officer in the Black slash Puerto Rican Harlem Hellfighters, and this is a segregated unit that fought very bravely and, dis- and distinctively in France. And um, Fish really wanted it to honor his men, but also honor all of those who were unknown and all those who sacrificed. Sponsors the bill, gets it passed. President Wilson signs it into law. And then it's not until 1921 that the actual tomb is constructed and the, the bodies are selected for, in France. Yeah, and talk a little bit how they selected uh, the, the pallbearers who um, were going to be the ones put the put the body there. Sure. Um, let me just back up a slight bit. The, 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 the first part of this process is that in October 1918, or I mean, sorry, October 1921, the um, there are about 2,700 Americans that are unknown in France. Their their bodies are mangled, dismembered. They they have there's no identification on them to identify them as as uh, who they were, and the Graves Registration Service then goes to the four major cemeteries in France where they correspond with the significant battles that we had fought in the Meuse-Argonne, 
the battles for Zeltbella Wood, for instance, San Mihal, and then um, the Somme where the Americans had fought with the British. And they removed four bodies from each one of those cemeteries. Each one of those bodies was, was they made sure that it, there was no identification whatsoever. And they were carefully checked again to make sure there's no dog tags, anything. And then they were brought back to Shalone, France, where a, a general officer was going to choose the unknown soldier. But at the last minute, it's quite interesting. The, the, um, the Americans, the French come up to the Americans and say, look, we used an enlisted man to select our unknown soldier. And they make the decision to, um, at the last minute to choose an enlisted man. And there were several men that were um, that were there in France for occupation duty that were pallbearers, if you will. And one of those men, Edward Younger, was chosen to select the unknown soldier. And uh, you know, it's, it's quite an amazing story of, of how Younger, um, you know, selects the unknown soldier. I found his original. Um, you know, papers and diary that he, where he wrote down his thoughts that night. And, you know, he, he realized the awesome responsibility that he has. Um, and uh, he goes into the room. They've given just a, a clutch of white roses and said, you know, select from one of those four flag draped coffins. And he realizes just the, the gravity of this, this situation because this will be the, the unknown soldier that we'll have for the rest of our, you know, the United States. And um, he walks in and is initially nervous and he prays. And he's just drawn to the, the second coffin to his right. And he feels that that is a man that he had, that he had known, somebody that had potentially died in combat. And his hand just moves right to it without even thinking. And he places the, the clutch of roses on the top of the casket, and that is the tomb of the unknown soldier. It's an incredible and, story. Yeah, go ahead. And then the, the the body is brought back to the United States. And the the, the remaining um, body bearers, if you will, um, then transport the, the uh, casket from the USS Olympia, which is this, uh, you know, famed flagship of Admiral Dewey during the Spanish-American War, which still exists, by the way, and in, in, um, it's in Pennsylvania and at Philadelphia. And uh, the casket's removed on the 9th of November. It's then transported by the body bearers to, um, to Lyon State in the Capitol Rotunda. And uh, who's who of American society is part of the ceremony on the 11th? It's also who's who of the world, and you know every every you know the major leaders of World War One are present, um, and they present their their greatest military decorations. The tomb is the 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 the, um, the American is also the now has also received the Medal of Honor and the Distinguished Service Cross, and it, it's many, many, many decorations from the great powers of the world, as well as even the minor powers. And it's then transported on the caisson that um, President Lincoln's body was transported um, after his assassination to Arlington Cemetery, where it is then interred. 
And I think one of the important things for us to remember, and you, you've pointed this out, the pallbearers are actually, these are soldiers, sailors, these uh, were very easily could have been a couple of generals, a couple of admirals. Uh, it could have been the high-ranking fellas saying, I want to do this. No, they got the guy that was the kid on the street corner who ended up uh, in the midst of this great war, and they were the fellas that took the coffin to its rest. It's the people that, that fought the war, and in most cases, these people were highly decorated. Uh, many of them had received the Medal of Honor, and their stories are, are quite extraordinary. Um, they are the pulp. They are the ones that actually um, carry the body to the the the, um, the actual grave in Arlington and bring it to rest. And they were they were chosen because they were, you know, on a fundamental level, they were they were six feet high. That was one little requirement. But they also had to be active duty and highly decorated. But Pershing also wanted to. Make sure that each branch of service, the Army, Navy, and Marine Corps, were represented for their their aspect of World War One. But these men were also chosen for the story that they they carried as well that they carried home. Patrick, and their story was extraordinary. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there, but it is an extraordinary story. Again, the book is The Unknown, available at all the fine bookstores around Florida and places like Amazon.com and. Patrick O'Donnell, thank you for observing this 100th anniversary of the end of World War I with us this day. Well, thank you so much for having me. We look forward to our next visit, my friend, and uh, we know that there are many fine histories uh, in the pen of Patrick O'Donnell yet to come. Well, uh, this is the Florida Roundtable, a service of Florida's talk and entertainment networks. I'm Reagan Smith. And I'm Michael Yaffe. A brief closing thought following these messages. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now, and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-321-5396. That's 800-321-5396. Again, 800-321-5396. Where do you want to go on a vacation or honeymoon? The Caribbean, Europe, Hawaii, Mexico? How about Disney or a cruise? At Superior Cruise and Travel, we've got you covered. We'll assign you your own travel concierge. They'll help you design a custom vacation plan that you can't find online. And the service is completely free. You can't compare the value of this to any other online travel company. We can help you plan a custom vacation anywhere in the world. We even offer payment plans with no credit card required. Now you pay off your vacation on your time schedule. 
Call now and mention the promo code RADIO and save up to $500. Book your custom trip. Call Superior Cruise and travel now and talk to one of the highest rated travel agencies in the country with a five-star A-plus online rating. 800-659-5087. 800-659-5087. That's 800-659-5087. In a world of tiny tomatoes and backyard pests, one man and his better half dig deep to save backyard gardens. Tony, stand by to upload expert videos. Already loaded, Tom. Wow, you're good. You're not so bad yourself. Tom and Joni McCubbin star in hisandhersgardening.com. Critics rave. Tom and Joni, they really grow on you. Two green thumbs up. Don't miss hisandhersgardening.com. Employ Florida offers resources and services to help you find employment. Hi, Gary here. Employ Florida helped me improve my interview skills, plus write a great resume. I attended networking events with many employers and other industry professionals just like me. With the workshops and training found at EmployFlorida.com, I was able to land a great job in my field. Job resources. Real results. Hired. EmployFlorida.com. That's EmployFlorida.com. We are back. You're listening to the Florida Roundtable, the service of Florida's talk and entertainment networks. I'm Reagan Smith. And I'm Michael Yaffe. And uh, our guest today, Patrick K. O'Donnell, author of The Unknowns, on this special edition of the Florida Roundtable, observing the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I, the Great War, the war to end all wars, except it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, not even close. In fact, the next war was worse. Oh, and and much of it attributable to the peace negotiations at Versailles that were supposed to be bringing an end to World War I. Uh, Wilson and Lloyd George, sometimes so mixed up, they'd have to have somebody bring in a globe to show them where they were drawing boundaries and trying to separate people. One of my favorite lines uh, coming out of this, and I believe it was Lloyd George, you know, Woodrow Wilson had his 14 points, and, and that was going to run the whole world. And he really wanted them. And Lloyd George said, well, Wilson had his 14 points that will run the world. God only had 10. <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing that. <laughs> we'll see. huh? Well, we thank you for your time this day. We invite you to join us uh, next week. I'm Reagan Smith. And I'm Michael Yaffe. We'll see you again with another edition of the Florida Roundtable. You've been listening to the Florida Roundtable, a news and public affairs presentation of the Florida News Network. The views and opinions expressed during this show are solely those of the participants and not necessarily those of this station's management, ownership, or sponsors. Please email your comments to reagansmith at fnnonline.net.